everyone! Welcome to another exciting episode on the Backpack Diaries. I'm Ifra, your 15-year-old host who's always on the move, exploring new places and vlogging every step of the way. Today, I'm super excited because I've got Bree from Bree's Quest on Instagram joining us. We're about to dive deep into her incredible travel journey, and she's here to share her amazing experiences, insights, and travel tips to spark that wanderlust in all of us. So grab your favorite snack, get cozy, and get ready for an unforgettable adventure. Brie, it's awesome to have you. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So for those tuning in who might not know you yet, would you mind sharing a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. That'd be wonderful. So my name is Brie, and as you can tell by my accent, I'm American. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, but I have been spending the last 13 years living in France. When I was 16, actually, I moved to France on an exchange, and that basically just changed my life forever, and I loved it so much in France that when I turned 18, I came back as quick as I could, so basically, I packed my entire life into a few suitcases, and I moved to a little town in France where there was lots of wine and good food. I absolutely loved it. And that's kind of when the wanderlust started. I was 18 years old and I realized I was in Europe and so many countries were just so close by. I spent as much time as I could, you know, crossing borders, going, eating some new food and, you know, getting those stamps in the passport and having a great time in Europe because there's so much to do here. So between doing that and then doing a semester abroad in Estonia, where I got the chance also to visit some more the more northern countries in Europe, I absolutely loved that. And when I came back to France, I you know had to do that whole finish school thing and find yeah. a corporate job. And when I realized that maybe that wasn't what was right for me at that time, I decided to take a sabbatical and do a year of traveling, which was amazing and I totally recommend it for everybody I went up and I lived in northern Sweden for a few months I was mushing huskies up there and then you know I traveled over to Thailand and North America and Central America and it was just an amazing adventure so that's very brief but that's kind of the overview of me I guess that sounds amazing so how did you start your Instagram page my Instagram page, um, so <laughs> I am, it, it hurts to say this, but back in my day, <laughs> we literally just would post what we ate, um, just a blurry, very saturated photo of a pretty <laughs> flower we saw. I'm talking about like 2013. I just, you know, got on board with everybody who had made the switch from Facebook over to Instagram and was just wanting to share photos. And honestly, for me, the first thing that really popped up was just the fact that we could share photos with not necessarily a lot of text. And I I kind of have a little like underlying passion for photography in general. So I liked that. But um, my older photos have been archived. Nobody can see them because they are embarrassing, just like every other millennials. (laughs) Wow. And it really paid off because you have such a big follower range now. I feel like I've been able to grow it lately, which is really nice. I mean, I'm still what they would consider, I guess, a nano-influencer. But um, I feel like for me, the most important thing is trying to connect with other people. And I'd rather have a community where multiple people are messaging me, asking for tips, responding, and I can actually talk to people 
than having, you know, thousands and thousands of followers that you don't actually have to get to have these authentic conversations with people. So I guess that's how I've been able to build it as well as, you know, just showing I have authentic experiences that I want to share with people in these conversations and also just trying to really remain human I want to say you know just being my most authentic self and not trying to put on a fake costume and just do it for the gram. I absolutely agree with that. So your journey into travel started with an exchange program in France at the age of 16. So can you share one memorable experience from that time which convinced you to make such a big move later on? I am going to be super cliche and super honest. Um, one of the big things was I met a French guy. And so my American fairy tale dream was like, ooh, this is amazing. French man, French wine, bread and cheese. Um, I should probably live here. So <laughs> that was a big part of it. Also, I think for me, and this is like something I tell people as well, Something that really, really marked me was, and this may sound super silly to a lot of people, was the cobblestone. I just remember seeing cobblestone in the streets and thinking, wow, this place is old. I mean, I grew up on the West Coast in the United States where, you know, our oldest buildings are maybe 100, 150 years old, you know, old wooden houses. And here I was walking on cobblestone, literally like imagining you know, carriages rolling down the streets like centuries ago and like seeing these huge churches made of stone and just thinking like this has been around longer than my home country, like as a, as a nation. (laughs) So that just is something that really got to me and was like, I think there's a lot to do here and a lot to learn and a lot to see. Wow. You moved to Dijon, France at 18, a city that many might not be familiar with. So what's the one thing about Dijon that you wish everyone knew? I wish that everybody knew that, first of all, France is not just Paris. So Dijon is a smaller city that not a lot of people think about. And like you said, not a lot of people know. It's absolutely gorgeous. You have architecture that goes back for centuries. It's a beautiful town that has stone everywhere, has churches. And I think one of my favorite things about it is it's so easily walkable. You can get from one end of of it to the other very easily, seeing lots of gorgeous things. And the food there is absolutely incredible. It's located in the Burgundy region of France. And for Mm -hmm. those who don't know, Burgundy is not just known for its amazing world-class wine, which I did get my fair share of, to be honest. (laughs) Um, It's also known for its um, uh, gastronomy. So it's food scene and, you know, just very high quality ingredients and delicious, delicious meals. So can you share one of your favorite local spots or activities in Dijon that isn't a typical tourist attraction? Yeah, so Dijon is relatively touristy, especially during the summer. And because its size is so small, it's pretty hard. It's really hard to miss out on all of the tourist things. And a lot of what's really nice about it being a small city, though, too, is that a lot of the places you will see as a tourist just naturally going through the city are places us locals are going to go to as well. And I know, for example, and it's a little bit off like the main path of the city, but you have the Market Hall, which is a little bit like in the northern section of the center of town. And if you go to the Market Hall on market days, like on a Saturday or something, and you go to the north end of the Market Hall, they've got like these little stands where you can, you know, people watch and have some wine and just enjoy being in a French market and you can have some really great products in there. You can buy cheeses, you can buy vegetables, anything you want. And that was probably one of my favorite spots. 
Wow, that's amazing. So shifting from France to Estonia sounds like quite the change. So what drove you to pick Estonia for a semester? So this is actually funny because Estonia on my list of uh, my wish list was my second with like on the list and I was convinced I was going to get the first one so I just kind of randomly put second and third ones and the first place on my list I didn't get it another student got it because there was only one spot and so when I found out I got Estonia I literally cried I was like I didn't actually want to go there what oh. is happening Estonia is right next to Russia and I freaked out I freaked out but I ended up loving it. It was one of the most amazing places I've ever been. So were there any moments there that just totally stood out for you? The moment I arrived was incredible because first of all, it's a very small, small country and so a small, a small city. And, you know, just getting in the taxi and driving through and seeing the architecture change rapidly because it is, you know, next to Russia, you've got a lot of history from, you know, the Soviet area, but yeah. you've also got history from the medieval area because it was a town that Tallinn, the capital, was an area in a city that wasn't destroyed, like massively destroyed during wars and whatnot. So you've just got this night and day comparison that is made between everything that is medieval, medieval and old Soviet USSR, like blocks of cement. And I just remember arriving in my apartment, being in front of a cement building in a relatively gray part of town, thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? And then like going inside and having an amazing apartment, but just like realizing that, you know, looks can be relatively deceiving, deceiving because, you know, you have like this amazing town, but it's also surrounded by a lot of gray infrastructure. So. So with all your adventures, how many countries have you stamped in your passport so far? So I have been to four continents and 30 different countries. But, wow. you know, when you're in Europe, you don't necessarily get your passport stamped each time. But I did count, and it's been 30. Wow, that's a lot of countries. So I'm curious, out of all these destinations, which one holds the top spot as your absolute favorite? And what makes it so special to you? So for me, my absolute number one place that I've ever been is Lapland and for those who aren't aware Lapland is actually not a country it's a region it's that northern region bit of Norway Sweden and Finland so it's that whole northern area a lot of people know Lapland is like you know the Santa Claus village in Finland and I've been there the whole area in general is the most magical surreal incredible place for me the first time I went up I just remember saying this is not going to be the last time I go because I ended up a few years later uh, living there for a few months, you know, mushing huskies. The region is just these vast, you either have these vast plains of white or these forests with, you know, you know, trees that are like, have snow on them. Sorry, I'm like yeah. imagining it in my mind and already just like losing my words because it's just so amazing. You also have mountains and it's just, something that's so intense to live and also so extreme and I think that's one of the reasons I liked it like I this year I also visited the Sahara and I also loved it because of its, how extreme it was and I think it's the extremes that I'm really drawn to because you get to experience something that's so out of the ordinary and so far from what you live every single day. 
I'm going to have to put that on my bucket list. <laughs> you definitely should. Like, And if you need any tips, I've got tons. I'm actually going back in a month. Wow. Um, it's going to be my third time up there. And I was saying this to a friend the other day. I was like, out of all the places I could go, I'm returning to the same place for the third time. So that in itself should be an indicator that like it's a place you should definitely go. Have you ever thought of moving there? I lived there for three months. And I loved it, but I would not be able to survive there year long, I think. Oh, why is that? Just because it does get really cold. Like, yeah. we had minus 37 Celsius at one point, and that was really cold. And it's also in a region of the world where in the middle of the winter, you don't have the sunlight. You don't have any light that comes up. Oh. I yeah, see. it's a, like I said, it's extreme. But it's also really good to see northern lights. So there is that. Yes, who doesn't love Northern Lights? So one thing I'm super curious about, and I'm sure many of our listeners are too, is budgeting. How do you manage to see so much of the world without breaking the bank? I love this question because so many people think that you have to spend thousands and thousands on traveling when it's just not the case. There's so many ways to budget and to travel on a budget. First of all, one of my favorite ways of doing so is doing a workaway. So for those of you who don't know, a workaway is, well, there's a site that exists that you can sign up and you do pay a small fee to get into contact with, you know, other people. And it's totally worth it. It's like 30 or 40 bucks a year. And basically it's a site where you are put into contact with people around the world who are looking for people to work for them. And in exchange, you are either you know you have a place to stay or fed or sometimes even they'll pay you it's very much open to the person who is putting up the the article to say what they need and so this is something that's Mm. a really good way to travel because for example in Sweden when I want to go live in northern Sweden it's super expensive in Sweden I didn't have to pay any lodging because I was working I was mushing huskies for this kennel and you know in other areas of the world you know for example Costa Rica I ended up staying multiple weeks somewhere for free just because I was helping him out at the check-in desk of his hotel. And so you have Workaway, which is this amazing resource, but you don't need just Workaway. You could do it other ways too. For example, I got onto Google Maps at one point and just started emailing hotels saying I could do, you know, either A, B, or C in services such as, you know, reception, taking photos, um, writing blog posts, you know, all these different kinds of things just in exchange for a free place to stay. And that's one of the best ways to save money because honestly, lodging and you know accommodation is gonna be one of the highest expenses. So that's probably my biggest tip. Another tip is also when you're traveling, you know, just try not to spend excess amounts of money on things you know you don't need. And I think that's a lot easier when you're backpacking because you're very much aware of what you're carrying with you because every time you go somewhere, you have to put it in your backpack and it's heavy and it's hard to take around. So that's going to keep you from (laughs) spending lots on clothes or souvenirs and things like that. And also it's just, you know, being travel smart, you know, paying attention to where you eat. If you're going to go and you want to eat while you're on vacation, obviously there's going to be a few times you're going to go and splurge on a nice place to eat, you know, get a taste of the local cuisine. But the best way to save money is to go to the local supermarket and buy local items. Because obviously, if you're in a country where, I don't know, your cheese from back home, like, for example, France, if we French people want a really good cheese, but we're out in the middle of Australia, we're going to spend 15 bucks on our cheese. And that's just not budget friendly. 
So it's all about also trying to live like a local and adapting to where you are and trying to find creative ways. And I think that's the best way to say it is just be creative. You know, don't be afraid to ask people for an exchange of service for, oh, hey, I can do that for you. uh, And you'll, you know, pay my meal or pay my lodging for a week. You know, all those kinds of things are great ways to budget. Thank you for sharing that. So I've noticed you often travel solo. So what's the magic in traveling by yourself for you? So traveling solo is one of the most amazing things. So just to let you know, if you're a female and you want to travel on your own, you totally can. It can be scary, especially in the beginning, because there is, you know, when you're a female traveling solo, there's a lot of things you have to be aware of and be careful of. It takes a lot of being extra careful, being extra aware, looking over your shoulder a little bit more, coming off as somebody who is sure of what they're doing is really, really important. But despite all of these things that might make it an experience where you might have to be a little bit more alert, it's one of the most magical things because of the fact that you're spending time with yourself. And I think that has so much added value. It teaches you a lot about what you want, what you like, what actually pleases you. And Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things about it is, for example, if I decide, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to leave and go to another city, I don't have to ask anybody. I just do it. And even though you can have friends or traveling together is amazing and it's, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. One of the most magical things is just being able to make decisions in the snap of a finger and following through and it just being solely based on what you want to do without having to take anybody else's desires into account. And I think it's a really empowering experience to say to yourself, I'm doing what I want to do right now and I'm loving it. Wow. But have there ever been any challenges along the way? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, sometimes when you're traveling solo, it's one of those things where, okay, um, my lodging doesn't actually exist. What do I do? Or um, I'm couch surfing through Eastern Europe on my own, and this um, host has just asked me some very inappropriate questions or made an inappropriate advance. And those kinds of things are challenging, and I think the best way to face it is, you know, like I said before, you know, being alert and being aware and just knowing when to get yourself out of those kinds of situations or being creative and also having backup. Like, you know, when I travel alone, I'm safe about it. I'm smart about it. I tell my friends, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is my itinerary. Or for example, one of the things I did recently, especially when I traveled around for my sabbatical year was I downloaded an app and you can do this with find my phone on iPhones or you have life 360 and my mom could just like always be aware of where I was at every time. And mm-hmm. if she saw that I was in the same place at the same time, you know, like for too long, she can send me a message and say, um, your phone's not moving. Are you in a ditch somewhere? Or, you know, things like that. And I think the biggest challenge therefore being, you know, just reassuring others around you and also just like being aware of your security. So it's just all about also, like I said before, showing like looking as though as you're sure of what you're doing will also give off a lot of confidence and people are less likely to try to, I I feel like it, I might be completely wrong, but I feel like people are going to be less likely to try to come and scam you or take advantage of you if you look like a lot, like if you look confident instead of looking lost. Yes, that's very true. So you've been in Europe for over 12 years, which is amazing. So what do you miss most about the United States, if anything? Oh my So I miss things, and the number one thing I miss is Pop-Tarts, and I know that sounds horrible, (laughs) but every time I go back, I get a box of 
cinnamon brown sugar pop tarts and i know i can get them here in france now because you know they have little american stores but i especially save it for the states because for me it's an american thing and i know it's super silly but there's that food wise but otherwise like culture wise i really miss just how welcoming and warm people in the states can be and obviously you know my family and the people i grew up with and I got the opportunity to spend a few months back home um, last summer when I was on my sabbatical, and it was just a really sweet experience to be back in that. But it was also really weird because I've spent my entire adult life in France now, so it's oh, very yeah. hard to figure out when I even when I say home, like it's not really home to me anymore. But it does have that sweet feel to go back and see family and see very familiar places. That's really nice. So, how many states have you lived in? I've only lived in one state, actually, because I grew up in Portland, Oregon, so West Coast, and, you know, the states are huge over there, so you can drive five hours and still be in the same state, so I've only lived in the state of Oregon in the the U.S. Do you recommend living there? I think Oregon is a great place. You have such great access to nature. I love hiking and, you know, going to the river and going to the beach and the mountains, and you have such great access to the beach. You have such great access to the mountains. Portland in itself is a really big city, and I don't think it's the best place to live. I would live somewhere outside of the city in one of the suburbs. Or Vancouver, Washington, which is literally right across the river, is also a great place to live. If you're somebody who loves nature, who loves the outdoors, I think Oregon or Vancouver, Washington is incredible. Wow. So you've lived in four countries so far, which is amazing. So how do you adjust to a new country's culture? And what tips can you give to someone thinking about relocating? Okay, so when you're moving countries, I think the biggest tip, and this took me a few years to actually, like, learn, is to really integrate yourself with locals as quickly as you can. It's so easy to gravitate towards communities that, you know, are expat communities or, you know, English speakers. And I feel like one of the best ways to really experience a country is have at least one of your groups of friends be locals. Of course, it's comforting to have people who speak your native language or know your native culture, and it feels good to hang out with them. And I am totally saying those relationships are amazing and very helpful. But it's also really important if you want to have a better adoption time and also let us feel like the country is more home for you is really find those locals that, you know, show you around, explain things to you. And also it makes you feel like you're part of the group in some way as well, too, the group of the country you've just came to. Yeah, I think that would be great. And it would be a great way to also build up confidence. So it's clear that you're on a mission to ignite that travel spark in others. So for someone listening right now who might be on the fence about taking that travel leap or making a major life change, What's that one golden nugget of advice you'd offer them? If you don't do it now, you're going to regret it. Because of the fact that if you have that idea in your mind, if you're even thinking about it, and you don't act on it, one day you're going to look back, even if you end up doing it later on, one day you're going to look back and say, why didn't I do it sooner? Because it changes your life in such an enormous way and in such a good way. You're going to say, even if I had had acted a year earlier, I would have had that much more time of this amazingness that it has brought me. So honestly, it's passing to the action. Get to the action and just going for it. And it's kind of a leap of faith. It's like when you jump off a cliff into the river or into the lake. 
and oh, you have that moment right before doing it when you have all this excitement and all this adrenaline and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do it. I don't know if I'm going to do it. And then you do it and you were like, why did it take me so long to jump off? That was amazing. And you climb back up and you want to do it again. That's what I have to say about that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So Brie, as we wrap up, I've got to ask, how has traveling changed your view of the world? And what advice would you give to new travelers? It totally changed my view of the world because it has added such a richness of cultures, of opportunities, of possibilities. And I think the moment that you realize that the world is bigger than your small town that you grew up in, or even if you grew up in a big city, that it's bigger than that, you connect with people in such a different way. Whether you go abroad and you connect with locals or you go abroad and then you come home, the way you connect with people will forever be changed for the positive. It just opens you up and opens your heart up and opens your mind up to ways of thinking and to ways of loving that you, like for me, I didn't know I had that within me until I started traveling. I know, it truly changes your life and I have so much that I need to explore. And that's pretty much it for this episode, everyone. So today's episode truly took us on a fascinating journey. Brie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Backpack Diaries and for sharing your incredible experiences, adventures, tips, and insights. I was so happy to be that you reached out and that we got to do this. I love talking about travel. And if you ever want to talk about travel again or talk more in depth about one destination in particular, I would love to. And I love that you're doing this. At 15 years old, you're already getting interested in travel. I think that is amazing. You have such a beautiful life of travel ahead of you. Oh, thank you so much. And to everyone tuning in, make sure to check out Bree's page on Instagram for more of her amazing adventures and inspiring content. And hey, if you had a good time with us today on the Backpack Diaries, I'd love to hear from you. A review would be awesome. And also check out our Instagram page where you can find all the latest behind the scenes, updates and guest quotes, along with some awesome travel content. And until our next adventure, keep those backpacks packed and those diaries updated. Safe travels and goodbye!